More drone attacks in Moscow, this time eight striking in and around the Russian capital. Minor damage. Ukraine denying involvement. Putin says Kyiv is trying to scare them. One former military officer says the attacks were a complete surprise. The drones flew in at low altitude, evading Russian radar. Three of them were shot down by air defense. This comes a day after Russia started attacking the Ukrainian capital in daylight. Some reports said it was the largest assault on the city so far. Ukraine claimed they shot down 52 Iranian-made drones. Since the invasion began, CNN reporting Kyiv has heard their air raid sirens blaring for a cumulative 887 hours. The war seems endless, but there is coming a day when all wars will end. When Christ returns, they will beat their swords into plowshares. Nation will not take up sword against nation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. Here we are in the middle of the week at a series called The Gospel in Narnia. All week, we've been looking at some of the lesser-known stories from the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm sure you've heard of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but how many of you remember The Horse and His Boy? This story is quite different than the rest of the series. Douglas Gresham, C.S. Lewis's stepson and the host for Focus on the Family's dramatization of the Chronicles of Narnia, explains why this is the case. The story itself hardly takes place in Narnia at all. The world we saw in The Magician's Nephew and The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe seems to have disappeared. Or has it? I understand from various sources that Jack intentionally constructed the horse and his boy to convey a certain sense of unbelonging on the part of the fugitives who head north for Narnia. For Jack, it represented the same sense of unbelonging we all have in this world. We were made for something greater, he would say. The stepson of C.S. Lewis, Douglas Gresham, sharing a little insight about each book on the Focus on the Family's radio theater production of the Chronicles of Narnia. Please stay with me. We're going to hear some excerpts from The Horse and His Boy and see how the stories remind all Christians that we need to find our identity in Christ alone. After this program, I'd like to send you the audio drama of the Chronicles of Narnia for your gift to this listener-supported ministry. C.S. Lewis wrote these books with Christian themes, so it's a great way to start conversations with kids and grown-ups about the great story that's all about Jesus. As you listen, I believe it'll resonate with your faith in Christ and bring you great joy. For your suggested gift or more, if possible, I want to send you the special edition Collector's Tin, including the audio production for all seven of the Narnia books, nearly 22 hours. And I'll send it to you with my special thanks. The number you can call after the program is 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or visit us online at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Now, we're going to open with a worship leader at Austin Stone Community Church in Texas, Jimmy McNeil, my king forever. 
before creation into eternity you had a purpose a rescue plan for me Austin Stone Community Church in Texas, Jimmy McNeil opening this Haven today. I'm Charles Morris, and I'm grateful for his talent in singing for us, My King Forever. Well, the horse and his boy, 
the third book in C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, is the story of a boy named Shasta. Or is it? A little boy raised in the house of a poor, cruel fisherman. He finds out he's not the son of the fisherman. But when his journey begins, he has no idea who he really is. As the story is just unfolding, he mulls over the possibilities to a horse. It's remarkable. I'm not the son of Arshish. For that, I feel a strange relief. But then, who am I? Oh, why? I might be anyone. I might be the son of a Tarkan myself. Or the son of the Tisrock. May he live forever. Or even of a god. I wonder what sort of man your master is. Perhaps he'd take me to wars, and I'd save his life in a battle. And then he'd set me free and adopt me as his son. And give me a palace and a chariot and a suit of armour. Or he might send me to work on the fields, in chains. Oh, I wish I knew. How can I know? I bet you know. If only you could tell me. Yes, I wish you could talk, old fellow. But I can What? I said, but I can. A scene from the audio drama based on C.S. Lewis's The Horse and His Boy. Shasta, discovering a Narnian, talking horse. But he still hasn't discovered who he is. What's Lewis getting at in this story of an orphan on a journey to learn his true identity? Well, C.S. Lewis said in a letter to a young reader that I mentioned on our program yesterday that this book was mainly about the calling and conversion of outsiders, of people who had never before heard the good news, people who didn't know the great story that's all about Jesus. I want us to look to God's Word together, and I want us to see just a couple of truths about how Jesus brings outsiders home to their Creator. First, because of Jesus, we have a loving Father whose kingdom is forever. God's Word describes coming to faith in Christ in terms of being taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, of being brought near from a foreign country, no longer the so-called son of a harsh father, but the true heir to the king. I can't help but think of Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Colossians 1, he gives joyfully thanks to the Father, the heavenly Father, who has qualified his children to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. It's the Father who has rescued men and women and children from the dominion of darkness and brought them into the kingdom of the Son he loves and redeems them, forgives their sins because of Jesus. Those who put their faith in Christ are sons of the heavenly Father, full of mercy and grace. I want you to listen to a scene. It comes after a great battle. When this lost son is finally brought to the end of a long journey to stand in the royal presence of his real father. But what about Shasta? What's happened to Shasta? Wait. I see him now. He's picked himself up and looks slightly dazed. Now Prince Corin is running up to him and is pulling him across the field towards the castle gate. <laughs> what are you doing, Corin? Where are you taking me? Father! Father, look! Here he is! Oh, Father, look! Aye, and here thou art, at last, and hast been in the battle, clean contrary to your obedience. 
a boy to break a father's heart. At your age, a rug to your britches were fitter than a sword in your fist. Chide him no more, sire, if it please you. Huh? His highness would not be your son if he did not inherit your conditions. It would grieve your majesty more if he had to be reproved for the opposite fault. Uh, mm -hmm, yes, well, uh, King Edmund, perhaps we'll uh, pass it over for this time. And now for you, Shasta. Me? Yes, yes. Stand here next to Corin. What? That's it. And let the court see you. Hold up your heads. Now, gentlemen, look on them both. Has any man any doubts? What? Why is everyone cheering? A heartwarming scene from C.S. Lewis's The Horse and His Boy. From the radio drama produced by Focus on the Family. Did you hear everyone cheering there? What a surprise to see Corin standing next to his twin brother. It was clear to everyone that this boy who thought he was the son of a poor fisherman had made it to the kingdom of his father. He's not Shasta after all. He's none other than his royal highness, Prince Cor of Arkenland, son of King Loon. Arkenland is a neighboring country to Narnia in the Chronicles stories. He had long been lost, but now he's found his way home. How did Shasta, or Prince Kor, make it to Arkenland? He certainly didn't make it there by his own power. C.S. Lewis captures the work of grace that brings us into the kingdom of Christ in a conversation along the way between Aslan and Shasta. Tell me your sorrows. What? You believe you are unfortunate. Why? Why wouldn't I? If only you knew what my life has been like. Tell me. Well, I'm no better than an orphan. I've never known my real mother, nor father. And I was brought up by a cruel fisherman. Mm. And then, finally, I was able to escape. But for what? To get chased by lions? And get mistaken for someone else in Tash Barn? and get frightened half to death by some beasts near the tombs, and suffer from heat and thirst in the desert, and then, just as we're about to reach our goal, get chased by another lion who wounded poor Aravis, and, and now I'm lost and miserable. I do not call you unfortunate. Don't you? No. But what about all my trouble? If nothing else, it was bad luck to meet so many lions... Most people wouldn't even meet one in a lifetime. And I met at least four, oh, maybe more. You met only one lion. What on earth do you mean? I just told you, there were at least two the first night and... Oh, there was only one, but he was swift of foot. How do you know? I was the lion. But... I was the lion who forced you to join with Erevis. I was the cat who comforted you among the tombs. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach King Loon in time. And I 
was the lion. You do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay. A child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat, wakeful at midnight, to receive you. But, but you also wounded Aravis. It was I. But what for, child? I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. The voice of Aslan, speaking to Shasta, from the horse and his boy. Aslan's voice is grave in what you just heard, but yet did you notice tenderness and firmness, answering Shasta's misunderstanding about all the so-called mishaps in his life? You see, what Lewis was describing in this scene is the fact that while we may look back on our lives, on all the twists and turn and an unfortunate series of events, for the believer who has finally found his freedom and identity in Christ, it wasn't a series of mishaps, but the guiding hand of the Father, drawing you to himself. Like Joseph said to his brothers, what they meant for evil against him, God meant for good. In his letter to the Ephesians, in the second chapter, They're two of the most wonderful words in all of Scripture. You know what they are? They're but God. Paul writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I wish I could read that to you and to myself every day on this radio program. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. The incomparable riches of his grace. That's what we receive from our Heavenly Father. And it's shown to us in His kindness in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the journey that our Heavenly Father has brought us on to bring us home through our Savior? Let's not forget the grace that brought us safe thus far and the grace that leads us home. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me and I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see I see i
This is Haven Today in a series we're calling The Gospel in Narnia for King and Country, featuring Rebecca St. James. The album is called My Utmost for His Highest, and that, of course, was Amazing Grace. Why don't we pray about grace right now? Would you join me? Lord in heaven, we're listening to little excerpts from the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis wanting to share the gospel to share his salvation in a world, in an atmosphere where there was great unbelief. That was England after World War II, and it certainly would be England today. And Lord, the tragedy is, it's where most of us live today. Most people reject the gospel. Well, would you light a fire in our hearts? Would you lead us to understand what grace is? And to realize that we lack faith, but we find faith when Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And when we come to him every day and long for him and long for our faith to be renewed. Lord, bless us now. Give us an abundance of what we need that comes only from you. And I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope you were encouraged today hearing some of the excerpts from this well-produced radio drama of the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can become so familiar with the gospel message that it starts to sound dull in my heart. Ever felt that way? Well, I really believe that C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia for people like you and me. He imagined the story of Jesus in a completely different world, so we can move past the familiar and move clearly to see the truth and the goodness and the beauty of our Savior. Focus on the Family's audio production of the Chronicles of Narnia is a wonderful way to listen. This series was recorded in London, cinema quality sound, an all-star cast of actors. And I'm sure as you were listening to the samples we put into the program today, you were able to hear the action play out in your mind. No matter where you listen, driving in the car or jogging down a trail or just sitting around a warm fire in a comfortable chair, I believe the truths in these stories will resonate with your faith and bring joy to your heart. So for your minimum gift, I want to send you a special edition collector's tin containing all seven original stories on 19 discs as my thank you for giving to Haven Today. 
Would you call us right now? And the number you can call is 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Now remember also, you can go to our website and listen to a few audio samples from this project and make your gift there. Just head over to haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And when you're on our website, take a look at the blog post that I wrote called Seven Times Jesus Shows Up in Narnia. I pray that'll be a blessing to you as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? But again, we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Have you ever wondered why Jesus is called a sacrificial lamb? Leviticus 16 describes the Day of Atonement, that day when the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies to make sacrifices for the sins of the people. This day foreshadowed the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus, our high priest, made for us on the cross. Think about it. Through his death and resurrection, he atoned for our sins once and for all, reconciling us to the Lord. As believers in Jesus, we rest in the knowledge that our sins are forgiven and we've been made righteous through him. Let us live in light of this truth. Live like you've been washed clean because in Jesus you have. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchored.com.